0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio.
1: Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Remy Martin, the official cognac of the JT The Brick Show. Remy Martin, team up for excellence.
2: It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation, sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's
3: JT The Brick.
2: Oh, welcome back, everybody. JT in Vegas today in studio with Debon as we continue our number two, Ari Mirov will join us from Pro Football Focus. Also, the great Mike Florio. We get a two-for-one coming up here. And Levi Edwards from Inside the Raiders here. The breaking news, Jonathan Abram released by the Raiders. So Jonathan Abram is a casualty of the new regime coming in here as they are making decisions not only for this year, but they'll make them for going forward in the year after that. It's tough. It's tough when this happens. You wish him well, and hopefully a couple of Raider fans call in. If you're not calling me, call Q, call Vinny. Heidi and Clay, call the other shows, send out a tweet, and thank Jonathan Abram for his time here in Vegas. No doubt about that. We're brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit. Modelo, I reward myself with a bucket of Modellos every Friday. Sometimes I want them on Election Day, sometimes I want them before that. But Modelo, proud partner of our show. We appreciate all the great support we get from Modelo, man. You talk about a big partner of ours. We couldn't do this without him. Thanks to Steve Gomez, Clyde Bernie, the entire team that we lean on every day here to produce this radio show. Thanks to Modelo as we continue on. All right. Uh, I want to just say this. One other thing. This is a big game coming up with Indy. Because the media is hyping it up now because Jeff Saturday got the job in Indy. People are laughing about that. I'm not laughing about it. I think that's only upside for Indy for one game against the Raiders. I think the Raiders will win. I think the Raiders are the better team. I'm taking this game much more serious now that Jeff Saturday got the job because he's coming in to prove a point. He does not want to be embarrassed leaving TV to be a football coach. He thought this through. He'll have the team ready to go. You have to expect that. The team will be more buttoned up than they have been under Frank Reich the last couple of weeks. All right, let's get out to Raider Rod. Kind enough to join us as he's been waiting. Go ahead, Rod.
3: Hey, JT. uh, Thanks for all you do for Raider Nation, man. Hey, I just question the timing of uh, letting uh, Jonathan Abrams go. We know he's not going to be here probably next year, Mm. as well as a number of other players that won't be here next year. So Mm. I just question the timing of it right now. And then scheme versus talent. I think we were all excited about the Raiders because of the talent. We've lost the teams with less talent. And teams are figuring out, there, it's like they get the decoder ring in the first half or the second half, in the case of the Saints, the whole game, on how to beat us, whether it's special teams, mm-hmm. whether it's defense, or whether it's offense. So, I, I just question the timing of that. And, and getting back to the coach for a second, just Saturday, if, if Matt, Matt mm-hmm. Ryan is healthy. Matt Ryan will probably start. They're going to try to run the ball down the Raiders' throat and do everything that they can to win that game, right? Because somehow they we're not making those adjustments and teams have figured out what to do. And then the last point I wanted mm-hmm. to make, JT, is regarding Darren Waller. I know we want Waller to come back, but mm-hmm. last year we were winning games down the stretch without Darren Waller. We had yeah, right. We had We had the number seven, I forget what his name is, Jones. We had Jones. Mm-hmm. And we weren't even running the ball with Josh Jacobs the way we were maybe in the Cleveland game and in the, in the last game against the Chargers. So, so scheme versus talent. They, they have the talent. And I was expecting the, the leadership, the brass, to figure out how to meld those two together. They're trying.
2: I, I'm just telling you, and I appreciate the call. You made a lot of good points. They're trying. And they don't have the talent on defense. They don't. They don't have the talent on defense. That's why Jonathan Abram's gone. That's why other guys are not going to be here next year. That's why Dave Ziegler's making these adjustments. He does not have the talent on defense, period. They have it on offense, and the offense is underachieved, especially with some big leads. Pleasure to welcome Ari Mirov into the show, the great NFL insider for Pro Football Focus. Ari, let's begin on the flex games, and the first flex game that was announced here. You expect to see a few more coming up here.
1: Yeah, JT, I mean, I'll be honest with you, last year, the primetime scheduling, I feel like the schedule makers really nailed it. We had a lot of great um, nail-biters down to the end. This year, it's been pretty bad, and looking ahead to some of the games that there are coming up. Um, obviously, today we got some news that Bengals Steelers is out. There's the Colts Cowboys in there, there's the Broncos Chiefs in there um the Raiders are down there with the Patriots um unless something changes with some of those teams I think we'll have a few more here down, down the road.
2: I agree with you The NFL cares a lot about that have you been impressed with the Amazon package overall from talent halftime the games the chemistry in the booth here especially the matchups and what they're paying to have those broadcast rights what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think overall it's been fine. You know, like, there, there hasn't been any major technical difficulties. They poured in a lot of money. They brought in a lot of big-time talent. Um, I don't think they're happy with the games that they've had, especially the low-scoring games that they've had. But you really can't always predict that. But, you know, as I said, they poured in a lot of money, brought in Al Michaels, brought in his producer and Fred Goodelli. Um, overall, it's been fine. And I don't think there's been that many complaints overall from fans and the overall product, which I'm sure the NFL is very proud
2: of. Ari Mirov joins us, Pro Football Focus. Let's jump into this Jeff Saturday hire from your perspective. Take us through the timeline and what you've seen here. Very confusing to a lot of coaches and players in this league, let alone fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those stunners. There's always a, a few stunners every year that catches everyone off guard. This would definitely fall into that category, and to be frank, Jim Mercer has taken over the Colts, you know, football operations department. I mean, he's mm-hmm. taken it over. Um, he um, He's the one who benched Matt Ryan, basically knowing it's more of a financial reason. He's the one who fired Frank Reich. He's the one who hired Jeff Saturday. And Chris Ballard, their GM, um, he was one of those guys several years ago who was a very sought-out GM candidate. And he took his time on picking where he wants to go and he specifically picked the Colts because Jim Ursay has mostly been an off, a hands off owner. And here, um, possibly down the stretch of his GM tenure, um, Jim Ursay is taking it over. He's made a very outside-the-box type of a hire. Um, it's a bit of a slap in the face to everyone else on that staff. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'll tell you this much. A lot of people around the NFL don't think it's going to go off because how could you have someone who does not know anybody in the staff Probably doesn't everybody on this roster, and he has a game coming up here in five days. And just hired a new play caller who has never done this before in his life. Who a few years ago was just the assistant to the head coach, and now he's going to be a play caller all of a sudden in a few days. So yeah, I don't it, think any. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's
2: a, I think it's a short term move, Ari. I just think that what he wants to do is have eyes and ears in the organization, in the locker room, as he evaluates the roster. I was going to follow up with some other teams from the Raiders to other teams that are letting go of talent at the back end of the trade deadline now that it's come and gone. Couldn't Ursay be doing that in a way, not tanking, because he shouldn't do that, nor would he with the owners watching, but looking at this saying, I want my guy, I want my guy looking at this because he's a consultant, and at the end of the year I'll consult with him on the roster and who's in and who's out.
1: Yeah, but at the end of the day, you're bringing in someone who has you could call him a consultant, but he's been doing more ESPN stuff than being a consultant to mm-hmm. Colts. And you're bringing him in to basically take over this roster and take over this coaching staff when he's basically not been in that room, not been in the locker room all year long, and now he's going to be the guy doing that. I'm sure there are plenty of other people who could probably do that for Jim Mercy, including his own children, who work. Mm-hmm. of their day-to-day with the staff. So it's a very outside-the-box type of a hire, and this is Jim Merce just taking over everything.
2: Uh, Ari, give me a couple of coaches that you think could be on the hot seat, starting with Dennis Allen last night. Everybody was freaking out on on timelines, on social media, saying why didn't he bench Andy Dalton? Why didn't he coach a more desperate team with his job on the line, considering that was a big opportunity for them to get back in the division race? A division race, they get back in with a win.
1: Yeah, I mean there was a scenario coming into this week. If the Bucks would have lost to the Rams on Sunday, that game would have been for first place. Saints could have been in first place with a win yesterday. Obviously the Bucs won. But Dennis Allen came into a bit of a you know, a tough situation regarding that team just because first of all there's been a lot of injuries, but you're taking over Sean Payton who abruptly, you know, stepped away and this team has been in an all in type of a mood for years now where they are okay with going over the cap, pushing it down the line. They're trading future picks into this year. And they just haven't been able to get that type of production. I think people should, you know, one of the main concerns of the saints was how would they be able to without without Payton? And I think we're seeing a lot of that, a lot of that so far this year of how this team has performed. I am curious to see, you know, if Dennis Allen isn't the guy at the end of this year, Do they finally take that step back? You know what? We've been on this all-in type of, um, you know, thinking for so long. Let's take a step back. Hopefully we could fetch a first-round pick when we trade Sean Payne in this offseason. And let's try to reset over here with our cap and with our draft picks, which we are basically um, dead last in both of those categories in the NFL right now. Um, as for other guys, I would definitely be keeping an eye on still on Nathaniel Hackett in Denver to see how the second half goes. Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas is a fascinating one. I really don't think the owner would want to pull pull the plug after one year. But um, I think what happened this week against the Colts, and we just talked about them, I think that will say a lot about where this team is right now.
2: All right, Mirov, Jones, this is, as we wrap it up. You posted the video of the Josh Allen injury. I heard from someone in baseball, it could be close to a Tommy John, which isn't in, as big in football as it is in baseball. If he was a baseball pitcher, we wouldn't see him again. What do you think's going to happen here? Because this torpedoes the league if he goes out for an extended period of time being the best team. I picked him to win the Super Bowl. Buffalo Bills fans are on the edge of this, uh, their seat. you got a lot of followers. What do you expect to happen?
1: It is massive, man. You know, Sean McDermott was asked about all of this yesterday and basically given an on answer that they're still evaluating him, and they'll know more later today. Here's the thing. I mean, he had an elbow injury in his rookie year as well, and they ultimately sidelined him for about four to, three or four weeks. Um, could be that type of the same scenario where, you know what, let's take a step back, let him rest it up, where obviously it's still a good team. They do have a capable backup, who's Case Keenum, who has done this before in the NFL. Let him come in with his offense and eventually wait till Josh is fully healthy and ready to come back. So um, it could be one of those scenarios, but I think everyone should still be holding their breath there in Buffalo to make sure it's not something even more severe than that. I mean, when the injury happened... He came back and threw a 70-yard bomb in the air, but he Uh was grimacing in pain. So there's clearly something there, and um, I'm sure we'll get a medical update probably later today, uh, later tomorrow.
2: All right, Ari, last one. Uh, Give me any scenario that you think could be entertaining and fun for Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers. If he just says, look, I got my money, whoever I, whoever trades for me, they're still going to pay him, he's still the four-time MVP, do you see a scenario where he wants to be competitive and win again and not be a part of a rebuild in Green Bay?
1: The thing is, I, I think the contract that he signed makes a trade a little bit more difficult. His contract, when he speaks to people who really understand contracts, it's by far one the most difficult contract in the NFL, the way it was all put together and all of that. I think there is a scenario where he could be traded, but I think the best route for the Packers to get out of it is him just retiring. So um, Mm -hmm. I I think that contract was more of a, I'm here for the rest of my career, and it's on my terms whenever I decide it's over. So he mulled it after last season. He decided to come back. I don't know if he was expecting things to go this way, especially without Devontae Adams. But, you know what, we'll see what happens. I don't think a trade is something that that people should be keeping an eye on. I think it's more of him coming back for another year because that contract is massive, or he decides to step away like he thought about during this past offseason.
2: Yeah, that's what's fascinating. If that's going to happen, the conversation is going to happen quickly about him retiring at the end of the year. Ari, you know, I appreciate our conversations. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, JT. Ari Mirav, really good. He has 600,000 followers On Twitter because his information is really quick and fast and I was talking to my son about him my son turned me on to him as a follow and he said dad he goes you know you you follow Adam Schefter I'm friends with Jay Glazer go back he goes follow this guy I go why he goes because he breaks the news before everybody so I started following him and I said man you're right about this a lot of the breaking news comes from Ari Mirov so give him a follow it's my sports update My sports update, if you're on Twitter there, and I think you'll like it a lot. I think he's really good, and he has a lot to say on that. You know, he also tweeted out today, he dropped the show in reality on these Raider picks and how the Raider picks have kind of fallen apart, the high first-round picks. And this is nothing new, but when you see it and it goes out to a guy who's got a lot of followers, here's what Ari Mirab tweeted out an hour ago. Raiders first-round picks from 2019 to 2021. Okay, that's 2019, 20, and 21, three seasons. Cleveland Farrell, fifth-year declined. 2019, Josh Jacobs, fifth-year declined, released today. Excuse me, not Josh Jacobs, fifth-year declined. Jonathan Abram, 2019 cut. Damon Arnett, 2020 cut. Henry Ruggs III, 2020 cut. Alex Leatherwood, 2021 cut. I've been here in Vegas for all this. I was a guy at the Raider party who introduced Cleveland Farrell. So we go back to 2019. Farrell, I can pretty much tell you, will not be back. I'd be shocked if he was back. Uh, Josh Jacobs playing himself into a new contract here or somewhere else. Jonathan Abrams gone. Arnett was a bust and a bad guy. I want to repeat that. He's gone. He's a bad guy. What he was doing in this market, what he was doing in this town, a bad guy. Henry Ruggs III, clearly we all know what happened to him. Beyond a mistake, beyond a tragedy. The, 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 I, the, I could do a month on this topic without a commercial. What happened to Henry, who had it all, was loved by his teammates and coaches, and made the ultimate, ultimate bad, bad decision that will define him. And then Alex Leatherwood, a good kid that they just whiffed on. They thought he could play tackle, he couldn't, he couldn't even play inside. But I wish Leatherwood well. You know Chicago took a flyer on him, and someone's supposed to be able to coach him up. But the Raiders didn't think it would work out here. All right, seven zero two 702 702-365-9200 is the number. Damon's feeding me the calls. If any of them are there, let's get out to Nash in Houston. Nash, you're up next. What's happening? Thanks for waiting.
0: Hey, you bet, JT boy. What you just hit on is is why we're in the, the situation we are with yes. loss. When you look at the draft, we got we got no help, and Ziglar knows that. You know, last year was a little bit of fool's go, go with the, with the, uh, the uh, roster. And, again, the one thing I think you can say about Abrams, I, he, it looked like he loved uh, the that they needed. And if you can fire players in midseason, I think you should be able to fire coaches, too. And our special teams coach, he wasn't special in Denver last year, yeah. and the teams haven't been special this year. And I would think that would also send a message to the team. And, and in my mind, on defense, 25 to me is the magic number. The offense has got to score over 25. The defense got to hold them under 25, and we should be okay. But I think this season could be epitomized by what I saw last Sunday and the fact of, uh, you know, with Crosby dropping in the coverage, whatever kind of defense you're in, he's your best pass rusher, most energy. He shouldn't be covering in a flat. He's got to mm-hmm. be rushing the quarterback. And then Derek Carr's throw to the running back. They're out of backfield. Not an easy throw, but a throw an elite quarterback makes. And if nothing else, if the running back just stops, we're going to get past Interface right. be on the one-yard line and score, and then Jacksonville doesn't get it. And I'm telling you, in my opinion, if this is a 10-loss team this year, the other guy who's got a bullseye on him is Derek Carr because there's two quarterbacks, Garoppolo and Brady, will be free agents. And then you get either one of those guys and save money on the cap because they got a $5 million buyout on Carr. And if they can't win with him this year, they're going to evaluate him, too. And they they can move on with very little cost.
2: Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Look, when it comes to Derek, Derek knows what he's playing for. Derek knows his contract status. Uh, Derek knows better than anybody in his agent what the contract language looks like. Derek's in the middle of a season where he could save the season, save it, and make it very productive if he plays well down the stretch. We went through this today on Raiders Roundtable. Uh, This weekend, this past weekend, quarterbacks ran for more yards than any time in this league, and I mentioned a whole bunch of guys who ran a lot, and then a bunch of other guys like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts. You got to throw out Justin Fields and Mahomes. They went nuts. They they had record-breaking type of rushing days, but Derek didn't show up on the stat sheet with one run. He's got to run. I mean, come on. If we can't talk about this on the show, don't talk about it anywhere. Derek has got to produce in the running game only once or twice a game. That would be it. A first down run on third and six while everybody's covered. Everybody talks about Devontae being covered. Well, if Devontae's covered, Derek can run the opposite side for a first down. He didn't make any attempts to do that. He was sacked. He stepped up in the pocket a few times and made some really nice plays. Really nice plays in the first half. But I thought Derek should have been running with his hair on fire in the second half of that game. It could have saved the game. It really could have because nothing else was working, and I think he's athletic enough to run. Levi Edwards, kind enough to join us, the digital reporter at Raiders.com. And, uh, Levi, interesting breaking news today on Jonathan Abram. You're in the building. Tell us your perspective on this decision to let him go.
4: Um, Well, I know that there's a lot of speculation Oh, by the way, so good to talk to you, Jake. Yes, good to talk to you, my friend. My fault. Good to talk to you. Um, well, very I wouldn't say it's definitely surprising, but not shocking. That's the best mm-hmm. way to put it. I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, definitely a guy, if you just look at the amount of snaps, uh, seeing his snaps decrease over the past couple of weeks, uh, you've seen Merrig and Daron and Harmon basically take over in the, in the safety spots and even win. There's an opportunity to even put more guys in the backfield. You see Teamer out there a little bit more. You see other cornerbacks out there a little bit more. So you can just kind of see by the game plan and the situations in which players were starting to be into, uh, Abram was starting to get a lot more left out of the picture. And I know there's a lot of speculation upon you know him potentially getting moved around the trade deadline and things like that nature and him getting shopped. So definitely surprising because I do think Abram uh, – can be and has been a productive player when given his opportunities, especially in the run game as a run defender. However, uh, still not shocking based upon the lack of him playing and the needs that this team definitely has in the secondary with people being out and the need to be a little bit faster Uh, in coverage. Mm -hmm. So uh, I wish, I wish Jonathan Abram the best and uh, he did what he could while he was healthy in the the Raiders Jersey.
2: Absolutely. Levi Edwards joins us from the Raiders, the digital reporter inside the facility. We've included him as one of our great insiders this year. He's done a hell of a job. So I'm not going to speculate. Neither are you on who's going to be other players who are going to be released. We've been talking about Cleve Farrell all year. Some of the other players that won't be back. Uh, The scheme It's interesting going up against Indy, isn't it? No play caller now. They announced it today. Jeff Saturday is going to have him motivated and fired up to play. We all know that. And the Raider defense has let the middle of the field remain wide open all year. Sam Ellinger was sacked nine times by the Patriots. I thought the Raiders had a better defensive front than the Patriots when we saw him at the dual workouts. What do you expect to see from this quarterback from Indy, which he reportedly will get the start?
4: This is just a very interesting situation. I remember last year going to this game against the Colts in Week 17. It was literally both teams trying to, you know, figure out who was going to play because everybody was trying to clear through COVID protocol. And, and I thought that was a wild game. And so now you're going into this game with Jeff Saturday coaching his first ever NFL collegiate game, as a, as, not even as a coordinator or assistant coach or anything, straight up head coach. So this might be even more wild, Mm-hmm. In that game last year, with everything on the line, um, Sam Ellinger, I think is, uh, I think he's a pretty solid quarterback. I, I think that you know he's doing what he can in the situation that he's been in, and it has been very surprising to see how the Colts' offensive line has played this year. Because even before Matt Ryan was benched, he was, I believe, the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, and then now you have. Uh, Sam come in and he gets sacked nine times and this offensive line has some really good players but for some reason they're just not clicking for whatever reason it may be whether it be injuries or scheme or whatever it is it's just oddly not been working and then you have JT he's been out mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of the season so it's just been a very odd year in Indianapolis and and this is gonna this whole thing with the coaching scheme makes it even it makes it even more odd So if if I'm the Raiders, especially that defensive front, like you said, JT, you have to smell blood in the water. Mm -hmm. You have to go out there and you have to send whatever you can to rush the passer and make it difficult for this guy, especially in your home stadium.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you. The home stadium is key for the Raider Nation and the team to come out, and the team deserves to play inspired football for the fan base who are spending all that money and expect to see a victory. And on top of the fact what Indy's going through, Levi Edwards is our guest. What should we expect from Josh Jacobs? Last couple of games, he's been slowed down. Uh, The first half in Jacksonville, was all Devontae. It was great. They wanted to establish the run with him in the second half of that game, and a lot of people are questioning that decision because Going to Devonte worked in Jacksonville. You expect Josh Jacobs to come out really running hard there because he wants to get back to being the number one featured player on this offensive attack.
4: Well most definitely uh, Josh Jacobs he runs hard every week. It doesn't matter who he's going up against or who's the opposition. He's gonna run hard every week and he's gonna to try to do the most that he can with his carries. There's so many times I see Josh and if it was a if it was a regular running back it'd be negative yardage or stopped at the line of scrimmage, and and Josh is still able to take whatever happens and is trying to turn turn a yard or or two, you just never really see Josh Jacobs have a negative play, and that just shows how hard he's playing. As for the Colts, uh, the Colts' defense, honestly, this season has been their saving grace. And you look at the past couple of weeks of the Raiders and who they played, and the reason why Josh Jacobs' production has been a little lower is because, honestly— these teams that he's facing has pretty good front seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the front seven that the Saints have, I thought they were pretty good. And I also think the front seven that the Jaguars had while young, and a lot of people don't really know their names or are familiar with them, when you look at them on paper and you look at the stats, they were also a really good run defense with their front seven as well. And I don't think it's any different with the Colts. When you look at their defensive line with DeForest Buckner. Uh, and also Yannick, who's now, you know, the former Raiders, they they can definitely do what they can to load the box, as well with Shaquille Leonard, uh, you know, all pro linebacker. Like, they have a really good front seven, and, and Josh Jacobs is definitely going to have to bring his lunch pail to work on Sunday if he wants to decide that he wants to play hard and get some yardage against this front seven. Then you look at the backfield with Stephon Gilmore, it doesn't get easy back there either for Devontae Adams and, and those receivers. So really just an overall good defense from the Colts, and you know, even in the three games that they have won this year, that defense has been the saving grace behind the season with the offense struggling the way that they
2: have. Wrapping it up with Levi Edwards over at the Raider facility, their digital insider, so what can you tell us about Sidney Jones, who comes in to play corner now with the Raiders here, a former Seahawk, and he'll get an opportunity after he cleared waivers, signs with the Raiders. I think this is what we're seeing from Ziegler. Get an opportunity to bring someone else in, let them prove it, as they say goodbye to Jonathan Abram, and they try out other players in the secondary here accordingly.
4: Most definitely. I think uh, Sidney Jones, uh, whether is a short-term short-term solution or a long-term solution is definitely uh, a, a much-needed, I guess, uh, seal, flex seal spray patch for the secondary, uh, just with the injuries that they've had. And now you're, you know, waving waving Abram. Um, and then now you have guys, you know, like, uh, like Farley and Webb that have had to step up in recent weeks. And now you get another guy who's experienced that uh, has done very well in different defenses. A very physical cornerback in Sydney, and uh, he he's, he's played a lot of football, and that's what you need on this team right now, just for morale purposes and also with you know being able to pick up a playbook. Uh, Sydney Jones, I feel like, can come in and really do that, and like I said, I'm not sure if this is going to be a long-term or a short-term thing, but it's definitely something to move this secondary in the right direction, especially while you're waiting for Hobbs to come back from IR mm-hmm. and, you know, other injuries that you've had within, you know, the linebacking core as well. So, you know, the secondary, you know, they help everybody out. If you can go out there and you can cover and stick with your man, then it helps out everybody in the front seven. So great signing, if I'm being honest.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Anybody who can come in, bring new energy, prove themselves, act like they want to be here, all the guys want to be here, but prove that they're going to be here long term and play their ass off, to this new regime of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and try to be here next year. I want to see them out there playing. Levi, thanks for the time. I'll see you out there on Sunday. If I don't catch you earlier, I'll be in the building Thursday. I'll come say hello. Thank you again.
4: Most definitely. I see
2: you, JT. All right, Levi. Appreciate him coming on. He's really good. He's been new to the Raiders, been around a couple of years now, and he's at every single practice and press conference. I can't be. My show's on at noon. I'm in the building a couple of times a week. We're lucky to have Vinny at all the press conferences, Q at all the press conferences, the guys who are covering the team around their schedule. They do a really good job, so appreciate that. We're going to have Mike Florio join us, and that's a big get for us today, too, with everything happening with what's going on with the Colts ahead of the Raider game here. I'm fascinated by this. I really am. And I'm not sky is falling. You know me. I usually tell you what I know. I think that Jeff Saturday only helps that team play better against the Raiders than what they could have done. Now, I could be completely wrong, and the Raiders boat race them, but I can't predict the Raiders to win by 30. They haven't earned it, as the coach said. But I'm going to predict the Raiders to win, and I think they'll win handily if they take care of business. But there is an X factor thrown into this game that the gamblers like. Gamblers like this stuff because it makes for something a little bit strange and weird to happen, and they're looking for any advantage that they can get here. I don't know what the advantage Jeff Saturday brings other than motivation, other than master motivation for a guy who won a Super Bowl and knows what it's like to walk out of a tunnel in much bigger games than are going to be played on Sunday. You get my point? This this game's not a big game around the league. It's important to us here in Raider Nation. It's important to the Colts. It's not what Jeff Saturday's used to. AFC championship game, Super Bowl, divisional playoff game. He led the team out as the captain in those games. He's going to lead this team out as the head coach. And the Raiders better be ready to do it. And I hope they are. 702-365-9200. Mike Florio on the other side from Pro Football Talk. And he'll come on and we'll get his opinion on the chaos in Indy. If it's good for the league or not. And how he's a Viking fan. The Vikings play the Bills. I'd be all over the Vikings right now on the money line. I would. Why wouldn't you? The Bills don't know if they're going to have the starting quarterback. You can bet the Vikings now and a couple of the other moving lines right out of Vegas.
1: Welcome back to the JT The Brick
2: Show. Brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas. The newest property on the Strip. JT, I love Resorts World. Thanks to Steph McKenzie for bringing us back. Listen to her on 97.1 The Point. Tomorrow, or Wednesday insiders include Vinny Bonsignor, who will join us, Bill Williamson, our insider, and the coach I interview on Thursday. We'll make sure that we have that for you. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5, Lee Sterling, uh, Johnny Katz this week. Man, we got big shows. I saw Chris Matthews today on Election Day. Chris Matthews from 8 News Now. Wearing a big time number eight jersey, a big Raider jersey on. Chris is was a decent-sized athletic guy. Big jersey on uh, repping the Raiders earlier today. So a shout-out to our buddy Chris Matthews. All right, we got him now. Mike Florio, kind enough to join us from Pro Football Talk, the founder, the editor, the insider on NBC for Sunday Night Football. And, Mike, I know you've had a busy day. Let's jump in with Ursay, what's happening with the Colts, all of this craziness that's happened in the last 24 hours. How do you see it?
5: Well, you know, it's funny, JT. The announcement was made yesterday that Frank Reich was out, and I mobilized at that point Miles Simmons, and he and I did a 30-minute emergency episode of PFTPM to kick it around. And while we were discussing it, there was no word on an interim coach. And I said, would it be crazy for Jim Irsay to make a hire outside of the organization? Now, technically, this isn't outside of the organization because he was a consultant, but he's not a member of the coaching staff. And this is the kind of thing where it's hard to spot the line between outside-the-box thinking and just frickin' nutty. I don't know which one this is yet, but I have an issue. Anytime somebody who lacks the objective qualifications gets one of these very rare and coveted opportunities, when there are so many people out there who have the qualifications, I have a problem with it. I don't care how it's going to turn out. I have a problem with the fact that someone without the qualifications is getting the opportunity that dozens if not hundreds of people have the qualifications before Jeff Saturday. And it was mentioned twice yesterday by GM Chris Ballard. They tried to hire Jeff Saturday to be a member of the coaching staff and it didn't work out. Well, he shouldn't be the head coach if he hasn't accepted the opportunity to be a member of the staff. I just think that it's unfair to the coaches in the building, and it's a front to anyone out there who's qualified for that job.
2: Yeah, Mike, and that's a big deal because we both know coaches that have been lifers, right? They started in the scouting department or they started at the lowest level in college, worked their way up, got to a coordinating position. We know that they didn't step on the Rooney rule, but there's a lot of African-American coaches saying, and I heard a lot of debaters saying earlier today, look at this, this is an example of how hard it is for a minority to become a head coach. You mix this all in, it's basically Ursay who's a little bit flamboyant at times, wanting one of his guys in the locker room, I think, to judge the locker room, the players, and who he's going to go forward with. And he went with one of his guys. I get that. But Saturday had to agree to this. What is your impression on why he would agree to this other than money with no experience? It's
5: the ability of the human animal to delude him or herself in any setting. I can't blame Jess Saturday for saying yes to this. We all think we're better than we are. We all think we deserve a better job than we currently have. It's the nature of who we are and what we are. So someone offers you an opportunity that is highly coveted, you're not going to turn it down. I don't blame him. I've had people reach out to me and say, well, part of this is on Jeff Saturday, too. He had no business saying yes to this. He easy to say that when you're not the one who's having a life-changing opportunity dropped onto your desk. You don't say no to it. It takes, I think, a very strong person to turn down something that they're being handed like this. But he should have said yes to being the offensive line coach or assistant offensive line coach. He should have put in the time. It would have made it easier for him. It puts more pressure on him to come in and thrive. He's going to be under more scrutiny than he would have been. And he could be the next Vince Lombardi. Who knows? Mm -hmm. The problem is he hasn't worked the job. He hasn't been part of the culture. He hasn't been putting in the hours. And I guarantee you, he's going to be putting in the hours this week. He's going to get a crash course in what it means to get ready to coach an NFL game because he's going to have to work literally around the clock to get everything ready to go for Sunday. And even then that may be asking too much to expect that team to respond. This is something that even if you know who your interim coach is going to be and he's on the staff, you try to wait until the bye week to do it until you have more time right. to make the transition. They're doing this with five days to get ready for the Raiders with a guy who's got no college or pro coaching experience. And they just announced, or leaked, or whatever, that Parks Frazier, the assistant quarterback's coach, is going to call the play, so at least they finally know that on the day that they should be putting the finishing touches on their game plan.
2: Mike Florio joins us, but I'll tell you, Mike, being here in Vegas, as you know, every way the Raiders could possibly lose, they have. Those are three games, two up 17 nothing, one up 20 nothing, and either they stepped off the gas pedal or teams made adjustments, whatever it is, You know how hot the kitchen can get in the Raiders dating back to Al Davis when he was alive and now Mark Davis. And the Raiders got to be looking around going, are you kidding me? I mean, we we just lose at New Orleans. We stay in Florida. We're up big on Jacksonville. Find a way to lose that game. And now we got Jeff Saturday, who's going to have those players coming out of the locker room at Allegiant Stadium, peeling the wallpaper off, ready to play for the coach or not. I think Indy's going to be ready to go. But as you said, there should be some form of confusion from the offensive side with Sam Ellinger. Why not let Matt Ryan play? And I know Ursay won't let it happen, but Matt Ryan could call every play. He's a future Hall of Famer. That seems to be the rational move I would make.
5: Well, and there was some thought that, you know, you got Matt Ryan there. You're paying him good money, let him be the play caller. I think it's an awkward spot for Matt Ryan. He's been rejected by the team. And it's for business reasons. If he gets through the end of the season and he has an injury that keeps him from passing a physical before the middle of March of 2023, he's got 17 million in additional guaranteed money on top of what he's already got guaranteed next year. Once Jim Irsay decided he was done with Matt Ryan, this was a no brainer to take him off the field and put Ellinger out there. And I, I just look, Hey, Hey, it could work out perfectly, but there's a reason why these things don't happen. There's a reason why this is the first, former player with no coaching experience at the college or pro level to become a head coach since Norm Graham Brocklin went from being NFL MVP with the Eagles in 1960, to head coach of the Vikings in 1961. It's not going to be easy. And the only reason that we aren't laughing it off more than we are is because it happened. Like if we had been presented this as a hypothetical, we'd all be like, Oh God, what are you talking about? I mean, do you understand anything about football? But since it's reality, we have to get our brains around it. And, um, and, and again, I'm not rooting against him. I just think that we have to point out that, that this is highly unconventional. It's very unusual, and it is an insult. You mentioned the Rooney rule. That's part of this problem. The Rooney rule doesn't mm-hmm. apply only because it doesn't apply to interim hires. It's violated the spirit of the Rooney rule. And, and you know what? It may make it harder for Jim Arsay to comply with the Rooney rule after the season because maybe minority coaches will say, no, thank you, I'm not interviewing for this job because you didn't do a fair search during the season and because you basically made it clear you're looking for a reason to hire Jeff Saturday.
2: Mike Florio joins us as we wrap it up. Mike, I love talking to you about Dan Schneider. And the access you have to information here where we go back to Jim Ersay, he was the owner that spoke up at the owner's meeting. I think there's been 24 votes available for quite some time. A matter of fact, I know there are. And why do some of these stories get momentum and then all of a sudden die coming off the owner's meeting? We, we look at it and we're focused and we're talking about it, writing about it, podcasting about it. Then it goes away two weeks later and we focus on football games. What's happening with Daniel Snyder, the potential sale and obviously Jeff Bezos and the individuals who can possibly buy the commanders.
5: Well, you know, this is one of the great things about the NFL for its purposes, any scandals, any controversies that pop up during the season, there's always a bright, shiny object one, two, three days away to take everyone's attention off of that thing that we're otherwise obsessed with. I think that, a sale will go forward. And what was significant was the news from the New York Post that Matthew McConaughey, a Commander's fan, and a friend of Dan Snyder's, wants to get involved with an investment group, and reportedly it's the Bezos group, because Peter King pointed this out yesterday in Football Morning in America, Snyder likely won't want to sell to Bezos because he owns the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. If McConaughey is part of that group, that, that allows McConaughey to maybe get Snyder to change his tune. So I think this is going to happen. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. The only, the only issue that's been raised with me is the possibility that the reaction to the announcement from last Wednesday, which was so overwhelmingly, yes, please get this guy the hell out of here, may cause him to turn around, but can you imagine what the PR fallout would be if he does an about-face now after creating this expectation? that he's going to sell the team. So I think if he gets to the number he's looking for, and it's reportedly $7 billion, I think he cashes out and moves on.
2: Uh, Mike, last one on a football note. Uh, the team of your youth, uh, the Vikings, the Bills, the Josh Allen elbow injury. Every once in a while in the beginning of the year, you look at the game of the year. Usually involves Tom Brady, or Tom Brady as the Super Bowl MVP, and you go next year he plays this. and Or Patrick Mahomes, who's his biggest game against? I'm looking at the Vikings and the Bills. I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl preseason, and the Vikings have run away and hid from Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers here. Tell me what you know about Josh Allen. How long could he be out, and could this be a preview, potentially, of the Super Bowl?
5: Well, the Josh Allen injury, I think, is concerning. If you see the play where the arm gets twisted up unnaturally, you see him grabbing at the arm. Now, he was still able to unleash an impressive deep ball, the the longest throw of the season after it happened. But, you know, that's when it's all fresh. It has a chance to stiffen up. It has a chance to get tight. You get a chance to understand the extent of the injury. And the words yesterday from Coach Sean McDermott looked okay, looked, you know, Mm -hmm. middle of the road, cautiously optimistic. But we played this morning on PFT Live, the video, uh, and and he seems borderline glum. So uh, this could be a big deal. And, yeah, it would be great if it's Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs in the bizarro (laughs) Minneapolis Miracle game going against the Vikings. But, you know, the thing about the Vikings is, yes, they found a way to keep winning and winning and winning, but they have played a bunch of not great teams that they should have beaten. Now it changes with the Bills and then the Cowboys and then the Patriots on a short week. In the next 16 days, we will see the Vikings play three times, Bills, Cowboys, Patriots. We'll learn a lot about who they are, what they are, and what they're going to be. I really don't think they can get to the Super Bowl with this team because I don't think this formula is going to work, especially if they have to go on the road to Philadelphia or if they have a team like the 49ers come to town and they're healthy or if they cross paths with Tom Brady. Hey, Tom Brady gets in to the tournament. Watch out. And if it's Kirk Cousins versus Tom Brady, I know who I'd put my money on.
2: (laughs) Mike, I always appreciate our conversations and with your staff too. Thanks a lot for doing this. All the best. Good talking to you. Good talking to you, Mike. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. Appreciate his time today. Good guest. Really nice to thread the needle with the guys that we had on today with this Jim Ursay news. Jeff Saturday uh, covering the Raiders locally with Levi Edwards and having a couple of national guests on before we wrap it up. Last call if you want to get through. The Raiders just uh, put it out on their social media that they waived Jonathan Abram. If you'd like to make a comment about John Abram, And the commitment he made to the Raiders and his years with the Raiders, please do. I just saw Q in the hallway. Q will be doing that, too, as he was out there today. That's what we're doing. You know, we want Jonathan Abram to have a great career, a long career. And he played some big games for the Raiders. It's unfortunate it's come to an end. That's the business side of football. We wish him well going forward. When we come back, some of the moving lines and important games coming up this week. Again, Raiders taking it one game at a time, but I could look out at a couple other teams that are making a playoff move. I'll tell you two of them when we come back on the flagship of the Raiders.
1: Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by the Botanist Gin, the number one fastest-growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. It's, it's the old thing.
0: JT,
2: as we wrap it up today, I hope you're having a good day, everybody, on Election Day. I work 6 to 9 p.m. tonight on Sirius XM 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. And today we already produced a podcast, which the Raiders just tweeted out, and your boy Q, Q Myers, just tweeted it out. Uh, It's the Raiders Roundtable. It's available wherever you get your podcast, especially on YouTube. So you can go look at it. And, again, I'm really proud of this new podcast. They came to us, asked us if we would do it, and they paired us up. And why I like it so much is, you know, really, we're we're able to talk about the real issues here. This year it hasn't been rainbows. By the way, did everybody see the tweet I just sent out? The rainbow over the Raider facility. A real big rainbow over the Raiders facility in Henderson. What sign is that is just when Wendy Tweeted back at me, man, that's a big rainbow. I just retweeted from my buddy Tory from Remy Martin, team up for excellence. So I appreciate that there. Uh, th- this is a time now where we have to be, we're always honest with you, but we don't destroy the team because we're partners with the team. But now we're very critical of why the team isn't winning games. And what we're starting to see is they have a lead, they don't put teams away. And a lot of these games are closer than they should be. And they're in the schedule, they're in the portion of the schedule where they should be winning, not easily but they should be winning comfortably. They should have been able to comfortably beat New Orleans and Andy Dalton, comfortably beat Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville. They're up 17-0. And for those who say easily beat Indianapolis, no, I said the same thing. Comfortably beat Indianapolis. And then go into Denver and win that game in a tight game. Raiders have won plenty of times in Denver. They got Vic Fangio fired. And then go into Seattle and beat Geno Smith. Who do you think you're going up against? Dan Marino, John Elway? You're going up against Geno Smith. If you can't win that game, then you got issues. So I think the Raiders' schedule here is going to open up. But I said that a couple of weeks ago, and the flower has not bloomed. Will we see that coming up against Indy? Hope so. Also, breaking news on Brett Favre. He backed a drug company that overstated benefits and connections. Brett Favre and a massive welfare fraud case. Brett Favre is in a lot of trouble, Everybody. His legacy as a legendary football player is in question here. He's fighting for his name and reputation. A lot of shady deals with Brett Favre. I don't know if I'm surprised or not by it. I've met him a few times, but thought he was a better man than all of this. Damon, thank you again. Last couple of days stepping in for Bobby. We really appreciate it. Check out Raiders Roundtable. Q is on deck. See you tonight on Sirius XM if you listen at 6 o'clock. And we'll be back tomorrow for our Wednesday edition. Happy Election Day, everybody. Hope you get a chance to vote. We'll see you back here tomorrow.